0: Ben just read, we beheld his glory. That's what I want to bring your attention to tonight. They beheld, these men beheld the glory of Jesus Christ. 1 John 1, 1 through 4. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, and the life was manifested And we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write so that our joy may be made complete. This is the word of the Lord. Bob Edens was a man who, for 51 years, he was blind. He couldn't see anything. And then one day, a very skilled surgeon performed a sophisticated surgery so that he could see. And one of the things that he rehearsed over and over is he loved the colors yellow. and He loved the color red, and he thought red was just so red. (laughs) And he looked at the sun, and he saw the sun rise. He saw the sun go down. He saw the moon at night. He loved the colors. He loved watching airplanes trek across the sky. Once this surgery was done, he could see the glory of the colors. He could see the glory of the sun and the moon and the stars and airplanes flying across the sky. I still think that's pretty cool airplanes flying across the sky. How blind we are in so many ways. How many of us have seen a sunrise and the moon at night and never really beheld their glory? How many of us have taken colors for granted? Let's get more personal. How many of us men have been married to women and we've worked and worked and worked and never gotten to know the glory that lives inside the woman? How many of us have worked and worked and worked and never gotten to know those children that we provide for? How many times have we gone through Christmas and we put up a tree and we strung lights, we've sung carols and listened to sermons on the virgin birth, and yet we've never beheld the glory that's going on around us as we celebrate Jesus Christ. We read it tonight, in Luke 2, 1-7, through 7. Caesar Augustus, he set out a decree. He's going to make sure that he knows how many people so he can tax them all and bring in a bunch of money. And when he did that, we know that set in motion something, that we know that Mary and Joseph were living in Nazareth, and this moves them into Bethlehem. But there's a whole lot of other things in motion, not just Mary and Joseph. This set into motion a great deal of commerce. People are coming to Bethlehem, and people are coming to all parts of the the Roman kingdom at that time. And so a lot of money is to be made. I want you to think about the Houston Astros. When the Houston Astros went to the World Series, how much more money came to Houston than if it hadn't? All the vendors. How much is water per bottle now? Ten bucks a bottle? I'm, I'm just teasing. Bottles of water are being sold. Cokes and popcorn and... Paraphernalia. All this is bringing commerce in. And the same thing is going on in Bethlehem and all these other towns. As Mary and Joseph were coming into this town, all these guys are making money. Did this man at the end, was he just so busy that he couldn't really take a look at a woman who's so great with child? She's about to have that baby that day. Was he just so busy? And so many other people are going through their lives at that moment. They're not seeing the glory of God coming to earth. They did not see it because they were not looking. At Christmas this year, don't miss the glory. Now we are on the, here we are at 2023. But you know, I talked to Mr. Blacklock and Mr. Blacklock said that some people don't start singing their Christmas hymns until Christmas Day. So it's okay for us to sing a few more times. As we look at First John 1, 1 through 4, you know, it's really interesting. The Apostle John, we look at this spectacular thing. And he's rehearsing it. He does it in an interesting way. He doesn't introduce himself. He doesn't say John. And he doesn't give a, a salutation. He doesn't say grace to you. He just starts going at it. If you will. He's like a preacher. Have you ever noticed sometimes. I notice this about myself. And I notice this about other men. And I'm sure other men are so much more polished. But but when you study for a couple of sermons during the week Sometimes you get up in front of people And you just start running your words together <laughs> I mean you just start Multiplying words and you start Smashing your words together And people are like what's wrong with him You know and sometimes you're, at, you're Speaking and you know you need to calm down So you can get your words Clearly out Well there's one thing I would say about this and As we read this, these first four verses This is what John's doing He's multiplying words He's saying the same things over and over and over because he's excited about what he's got to say. And if a person stands in our pulpit and is not excited about this person, shame on him. Now we can go to lectures in history and we can go to lectures in other places and if they're boring, that's on them. But not in this pulpit is somebody should stand in the pulpit and not be excited about this Jesus Christ and hot... And have a hot heart for God and love for God's people. And that's what's going on with this guy. That's what's going on with the Apostle Paul. He forgoes all the procedures and he just multiplies words upon words. Look at verse 1. What was from the beginning? What we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. Verse 3. What we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also. He, he's stuck, isn't he? <laughs> heard and seen and And looked at and touched and heard and seen and looked at and touched. Who's he talking about here? He has something to say. Tonight, let me just give you three quick points. The apostle has something to preach. Testify. We testify. Who's we? Well, it's he and the other apostles. We proclaim to you. We proclaim to you two times. This exciting event that he is preaching about comes in veiled terminology. What was from the beginning? What has he heard? What has he seen? What has he looked at and handled? What is or who is the word of life? Well, what's the answer, kids? It's always Jesus. (laughs) Jesus, right? Jesus is what he's proclaiming. He's talking about somebody that he knew personally. So think about the substance of the apostles' proclamation. What was from the beginning? That points back to Jesus' preexistent life. Before he put on human flesh, he was already around. He was face to face, John chapter 1, with God the Father. He was in the beginning. He was before. He's an interesting person, unique person, because he existed before he put on the flesh. You and I, we don't exist before we come into this world, but he did. He is one who is face-to-face with God the Father, and everything that was created in this world was created through Him. The one that we celebrate at Christmas, before He was conceived in the womb of the Virgin, He was already existing. Then John tells us that He was a real human life. And He tells us this, not from having been at the manger because he was probably about to be born himself. (laughs) These guys were all in their, you know, they were probably close to 30s together. John knows this because he experienced him. He beheld him. John chapter 1, that's when he was, he met Jesus. John the Baptist introduced him to Jesus. So he's telling us, and he's telling us what these other apostles experienced, what they heard with real ears, I don't think sometimes we think about that. What they saw with real eyes, what they touched with real hands, what they the word here looked at, I, I like the translation better, beheld. Because beheld, it speaks of stopping for a moment and taking notice of something. It speaks of scrutinizing or studying. And the verdict at the end was, We beheld his glory. That's the verdict. What do we learn from this? Well, we learned this. We we learned that human bodies are very important. Think about that in our day. Human bodies are very important. There was a heresy going on when John wrote this letter. It's called Gnosticism. And Gnosticism says that the soul is good and the flesh is bad. The spirit is good and matter or skin or flesh or anything made material is evil. And so they denied the incarnation of Jesus. They would say that they came up with two ideas. They said Jesus was just a phantom. He was just looked like a real person, but he wasn't. That denies the incarnation. And then they also said Jesus was a real person, but the Christ came on him at his baptism and departed from him at the uh, crucifixion because no real spirit would die on a cross. What we learn, John is telling us that when Jesus came down from heaven. He came all the way down. He came all the way down. he I love the song when we sing. He, he, He didn't despise the virgin's womb. He didn't despise putting on the human vesture. And so when Jesus comes, He comes to save both body and soul when He goes to the cross. Bodies. Bodies are important. Now we could spend probably an hour talking about how important our bodies are. But you have been made a female and you have been made a male and these bodies are made for God's glory these bodies have been made to be responsible to him and whatever you do or whatever you think or however you use this body you and I are to understand that Jesus tells us our bodies are important and he put on flesh to prove it second second he preaches this proclamation he preaches it as a as an eyewitness real eyewitnesses Give us very important information. Now, today we like cameras. you know. Cam- but, you know, even a camera only gets one angle. And so when they go and they study, they get a camera at this angle, and they get that angle, and they get this angle. And then we go and we look for eyewitnesses. Why is it that you believe your mother? Why do you believe your father? Why do you believe family members? Why do we believe these cameras? Well, we believe cameras because they're unbiased. They just tell you, they show you things. They say it's the date, they would give you the time, and they show a person going down the street like they caught this bad guy the other day because of this camera. Part of it's going to be a, a because of a camera. And so we have these cameras, and judges and courts, they love eyewitnesses. So you have this camera, you have this angle on this camera, and you have this eyewitness, you have that eyewitness, and they all join together, and each one of them are, have a little variation in their testimony. But when you add it all up, you get this fuller view of whether a crime was committed or not. Why is it that we believe cameras in court? Why is it that we believe our parents and our friends when they tell us baseball scores and highlights and we do not believe the eyewitnesses in regard to the real human life called to Jesus Christ? The Bible is nothing but eyewitness testimony. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Apostle Paul, Mary, all these folks are eyewitness persons. And they are telling us what they really saw, what they really touched, what they really leaned against as they ate and drank together. And then Jesus gives these men authority to proclaim it to others. The sheer fact that these men beheld Jesus should give us greater assurance of our salvation. Because these people had the raw data. These people wrote it all down. They didn't wait till 300 a.D to write to, to, for people to gather all these sort of stories together after 300 years, and people began to write down what people said. No, they wrote down what they saw. <laughs> under inspiration of God's spirit, they wrote it all down. And they didn't miss him and don't think that when Jesus was on the Earth, it was any less busy than when Jesus was born. They didn't miss him. They beheld his glory. John is saying that just as certain as you're sitting in your seat tonight, friend, just as certain as you sung every one of those songs, and we've got one to go, just as real as you sang those songs, he says, I saw him. I beheld him. I saw him go into the heavens, and I know he's going to come back, come back exactly the same way. And you and I, we must not miss the glory. One more Christmas season well finally what's the purpose of the apostles proclamation and I'll give it to you like this fellowship and joy at Christmas we have a lot of fellowship don't we I mean we have man what is, do you gain 20 pounds at Christmas because you have trash and you eat trash isn't it weird you eat trash but trash tastes so good probably because it's got butter all over it. but but trash and there's all the, the, the goodies and there's parties and there's joy and the apostle he's preaching this pre-existent life this real human life from an eyewitness experience so that you might have fellowship with God the Father and the Son and ultimately to have the joy that He has. The desire of every apostle as he preaches and teaches is that we might have fellowship with the same Father he's enjoying and the same Son he knows. This entire month has been about Christmas, but we've seen that you can go the whole month and miss Jesus. We've seen that you can go all your life and miss the glory that's inside your wife. <laughs> you can miss the glory that resides inside your children. This man named Bob Edens didn't see any glory until somebody gave or had, uh, uh, came up with this sophisticated surgery to open up his eyes. And you and I, we cannot behold the glory of Jesus Christ at Christmas apart from God's Holy Spirit opening up our eyes. Let me tell you what happens. When you see the glory of Jesus at Christmas, one man wrote this. He says, it just gets so addictive. (laughs) I, I sing these songs tonight, and I was just so glad that I still have my voice right now to sing. I enjoyed these songs more than I've ever enjoyed them. It's so addictive. Once you behold this Savior, you have to sing it out to others. And once you behold this Savior, you have to talk to others. This is what's going on with John. John's got to let it out. You see, gone are the days, once you know this glory of isolation, and gone are these days of sitting alone at home. we got two people who've made sure they got here with some friends. They made sure to be here, not alone. Gone are the days of coming to church and warming a pew. And gone are the days of sitting at church and wondering what I'm going to eat. Because I'm here to get to know this glory, this God, this Son, this Jesus. And so when the service is all over, um, we have to talk about him. (laughs) We got to talk about him, don't we? And so we sit at tables like yesterday with men and we talk about the glory. And we sit with women on Zoom and we... Talk about the glory. This is what's happening in John's heart. If he doesn't say it, his joy's not full. If he doesn't get it out, his excitement is not intensified. You know, we've said this before, that when you're excited, there's only personal excitement. But when you go and you tell somebody, it gets more exciting. Why is it that you like to tell that story about the fish that got away so many times? And why is it that you like to tell the same story over and over and over? Is it not because it's just so exciting when other people enjoy it with you? I can tell you all a story. I won't tell you this, but, but I'll tell you later if you ask me. Um, I talked my dad from his deer stand all the way over to the other side of the, the ranch we were hunting on. It took 42 minutes to get him there, and then he missed the deer. It is a story. It's wonderful to tell it over again. And this is John. John is saying, I've got to tell you this stuff. I've got to share it with you because nothing completes it like sharing it. And so you and I, we have one more opportunity to say the same thing again and enjoy this glory. One more time we have this year to tell the story of Jesus and his love. One more time to speak of this love of God who would give his own son for our salvation. Tell me about Jesus tonight, and I'll tell you about Jesus tonight, and let us make each other's joy complete.